Two readings. First one is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. The parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. Next we have Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3 and 10. God is our refuge and strength, and ever present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear him. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is the word of the Lord. I'm sure very familiar, particularly verse 10. Let's just hold that for a moment longer. Be still and know that I am God. A reminder to pay attention to God as we spend time together and as we then go from this place into the rest of our week. I wonder if I was to ask you, how busy are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Let's have some fingers. Come be honest. How busy are you on a scale of 1 to 10? My 10 is I'm really busy. 1 is I've got loads of time somewhere in the middle. Let's see some. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Quite a lot of variation. Now, what about I said, if I said, show me how busy you would like to be? <laughs> yes. Slightly different answer. So, most of us would like to be less busy than we are. And today, as I'm encouraging us to practice this holy habit of Sabbath keeping, you might be tempted to think, well, that's great. That's something else to fit into my already overcrowded week. Holy habits, which by their nature and ours, take time to practice, to be embedded, are all tools to help us slow down enough to be with God to become more aware of his presence. As the psalmist writes, God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. God is always ready. What about us? We're told to be still and know that I am God. To pay attention and recognise, literally know again, that God is God and we are not. Sabbath keeping is the only spiritual discipline to make it into the Ten Commandments and it's also one of the most challenging for us to keep and yet has the potential to impact not only our lives but the culture around us. In the book of Exodus we see that God's people are set free from centuries of slavery in Egypt through Moses and God's direct intervention. They're given the Ten Commandments as a pattern for living well as they work out their new lives and being and how they relate to each other. And the longest of these? Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, 
For the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Sabbath, Shabbat in Hebrew, means to stop, to rest, to cease. It is a Sabbath to the Lord, a day to cease working and enjoy all that God has done for us. It's an attitude of rest and thankfulness, <coughs> delight in the Lord, being rather than doing. I have a quote here um, from Rich Velodis, who is a pastor in New York and who has done a lot on Sabbath. And he says this, we keep Sabbath not because it makes us more productive at work. We keep it to resist the idol of productivity. We are more than what we produce. Back in Egypt, God's people have been slaves for generations. It's all they've known. Slaves don't stop working, have no time to rest or freedom to spend time doing what gives them joy. They probably can't remember or have experience of what that is. And from that place of exhaustion and depletion, including of their humanity, they've lost their relationship with their delight in the worship of God. Sabbath keeping is intended to undermine their freedom and restore their humanity. And this rhythm of six days work and one day rest each week creates space for delight and creativity whilst embracing their limits as creatures in worship of the Creator. It's a gift from God to a people set free, a command and a gift. The Creator, who after six days of work rested on the seventh day, blessed that day and made it holy. A day that was blessed alongside the animals and humans, all three with the potential for procreation, literally life-giving. Sabbath was designed as part of creation. It is good. A day God made holy, set apart and meant to be different to the other six. Great. So ever since then, God's people have kept Sabbath, remembered, observed, embraced its limits and opportunities. Mm. Well, not exactly. It all got a bit complicated. So many do's and don'ts. Jesus and his disciples got into trouble with the religious leaders for carelessly, joyfully, needfully, eating corn from the field as they walked on the Sabbath. Jesus said, Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. God designed us for freedom, not bondage. So how free are we feeling this morning, I wonder? When I was a child, Sunday was a different sort of day. Fewer people worked on Sundays, um, and as a family there was a slightly slower start to the day. Some of us went to church, and then we had dinner together. Dinner being in the middle of the day where I come from in Leicestershire. The afternoons were long, and if I'm honest, at times I found them boring. There's nothing to do. But boredom often led to creativity, inventing new games, playing with siblings, <coughs> an afternoon snooze on a sunny day reading a book, or going for a walk. Sundays were slower days, and there was also time to prepare for the coming week. When was the last time you were bored? 
I mean, there's always a quick solution to boredom. A phone, a digital device, scroll, shop, scroll, social media, scroll, game, scroll, scroll, scroll. Jesus used the image of the mustard seed and the yeast to help us imagine what the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is like. Both pictures are something very small that over time have a big impact. The yeast worked through the flour, proved, kneaded, proved again as the dough rises and then is baked into bread. The mustard seed, through seasons, even years, becoming a place of shelter that invades its space and once established is difficult to get rid of. I wonder how you would describe the kingdom of heaven. What signs do we see, would we see, that give us glimpses even today? Well, I think one sign would be the freedom for all to have time to stop work, to enjoy rest, to spend time being with those who give us joy and delighting in the gifts and talents we have, enjoying God's presence. Sabbath. Perhaps our diaries and calendars are like the field into which a seed of Sabbath is planted that over time creates the space which not only impacts our lives but those around us too. How many of us here this morning, if we were honest, would describe ourselves as weary, tired, even exhausted? We know that different seasons of life bring their challenges, children, caring for relatives, Careers that are demanding, health issues. <coughs> Finding a space for a 24-hour Sabbath might seem impossible right now. But remember that mustard seed. The first step is to plant it. It doesn't become a tree overnight. And Jesus invites us to take those small steps, to plant those small seeds. And then we partner with the Holy Spirit to see how he will multiply it. The Jewish Sabbath begins on a Friday evening. So after a time of prayer and sharing a meal together, one of the first things that happens is going to bed and rest. And every time we go to sleep, whether we notice it or not, we're trusting God to carry on without our help. We can stop it. So perhaps the first step in practicing Sabbath is having a different sort of evening once a week that leads to an earlier night. For example, how many of us go to sleep or struggle to sleep or wake up in the night anxious? Occasionally, often, most of the time. How many of us spend the last few minutes of the night and the first few minutes of the day on our mobile devices, checking work emails, social media, news apps? What would it look like to disconnect from digital one evening a week? Maybe to read a book, even the Bible, to exercise, to spend time on a hobby. I wonder if we'd rest better. And what about mini-sabbaths in the midst of the working day? Actually taking a lunch hour away from the desk, eating mindfully, again without that distraction of digital tech. Maybe with someone else and actually having a conversation or perhaps building in exercise, even if it's just a walk. 
Now, I know for myself that these, these seem like really simple things to do. Perhaps you even think it hardly worth mentioning this morning. And yet I can tell you from my own experience, even this week, I found it difficult. In fact, I think that speaking on any kind of holy habit should probably come with some sort of health warning. Because whenever I speak on this subject, I have a week that challenges me. You know, just it all goes out of control. Theologian Walter Brueggemann said, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. Like the yeast in the dough, the impact is beyond the tiny amount that is added to the flour. So what does Sabbath look like? Well, I like the framework that Pete Scazzaro uses in his work on emotionally healthy spirituality. I've got a bookmark here with these on for you to take away later. The first is stop work. Now, my definition of work is if it feels like work, it is work. So it's not about whether it's paid work. It's about, um, you know, what does it feel like? So how, I mean, I know the answer to this question, but I wonder how many people who are retired actually keep Sabbath. Enjoy rest. Now, that might literally be a nap or a lie-in, but it equally could be something more active. You know, change is as good as a rest. For me, during most of the year, that, this might actually mean, um, you know, an hour in the garden. That gives me real deep rest. Delight. Delight in those gifts, those people that are life-giving, that bring you joy. So if I asked you right now, how many of you can immediately think of something that you enjoy doing that gives you delight? Now think about how many of you spent time doing that in the last three months? The last month? The last week? And the hands go down. What would it look like to build that in more regularly as part of the Sabbath? practice. And then finally, having stopped and rested and delighted, we are able to contemplate God. It creates the space for us to enjoy and to notice God's presence with us. In my own life as a parent, teacher, now church leader and grandma, like lots of you I suspect, I never got to, never get to, the end of my to-do list. The temptation is to keep going. But we know that when we do this, we become so tired that actually we become less productive, less creative. And when I take breaks, when I keep the Sabbath, I'm energised, I work better, I play better, I am much more pleasant to be around. The ideal is to practice Sabbath for 24 hours each week. Most of us would find it very difficult to go straight from where we are to that. And it's more than a day off from our paid work. Sabbath is, you know, work is like cleaning and cooking and washing and doing the shopping and keeping appointments. So how do we build that into the rest of our week so that Sabbath can be about stopping work, enjoying rest, delighting in our God-given gifts and abilities, people that are around us and space to contemplate God. Those of you with families, Sabbath is another challenge. When we were, uh, when our boys were younger, we would have a family night on a Friday. 
We would protect the time. We wouldn't any of us see anyone else. We would be together. We would make pizzas, eat pizzas. We'd have film nights. We'd camp on the floor. We'd have a fire in the garden. I mean, just simple things that we could do together, which just protected that time and created the space for a little play and conversation. I've already mentioned tech. One of the things that we can do on a Sabbath is to switch that off. Uh, our, one of our sons now is an adult with his fiance. When they go for a walk, they leave their mobile phones at home. So countercultural to where we are now, and yet they have seen how life-giving it is to be able to walk and talk without wondering what's buzzing and uh, what's going on in the, on the mobiles. I think we have to acknowledge that digital media does have a hold on most of us. I might even dare to say, enslaves us. So there is something very holy about acknowledging that and creating space, Sabbath space, where we disconnect. Embracing holy habits, any of the ones that you're exploring at the moment, observing them, practicing them, takes time. Back to the mustard seed again. There are no shortcuts. It's not easy. There are seasons. There are years. But becoming and growing through working, holy habits, spiritual discipline, discipline and work, and practicing. Always partnering the Holy Spirit who definitely wants to join in with this task. So what would Sabbath keeping look like for you, for your family, your friends, this church? What needs to be um, worked out in advance for you to practice Sabbath? Which is the best day? I mean, for most of you, it may well be Sunday, starting Saturday evening, going through to Sunday evening. Stopping work. So it depends on what you think is work. If you're the church leader, well, Sunday is work. If being on the team with children is something that gives you delight, well, then maybe that's part of your Sabbath practice. Preparing a meal for family and friends. If cooking is one of the things that gives you delight, brilliant. Have a, have a big meal on a Sunday, on your Sabbath. But if cooking is something that you don't enjoy, could you eat simpler? Well, you match if you had beans on toast instead of a roast. And then enjoy rest. Sunday afternoon nap, anyone? Feet up with a book, puzzles, going for a walk. Friends and family, or just nothing in the diary. Delight, spending time with those people who are, are life-giving, giving time to hobbies, rediscovering <coughs> hobbies, and then contemplating God. We're together here, but what about an extra five minutes at the start of the day or the end of the day? To just be thankful for who you are and for who God is. The order on these bookmarks, stopping, rest, <coughs> delight, and contemplating God, is important. It does create that space for contemplation. It's hard to think about God in the midst of everything else. That was the problem, uh, that's the problem for those who are enslaved. There is no space beyond the doing. Some of you might be familiar with John Mark Homer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He's got a really good chapter on Sabbath. It's a really easy read. So challenging. And he says this, one of the surprising things I learned when I began to practice Sabbath is that to really enjoy the seventh day, you have to slow down the other six days. You can't go 90 miles per hour all week and then expect to slam on the brakes for Sabbath 
and immediately feel zen awesome. <laughs> so what are the little steps, what are the mustard seeds, what are the yeast that you can begin to practice? Not beating ourselves up if we can't do the 24 hour Sabbath, maybe we've all got that sorted. But to think, what can I do? What is a step that I can do this week? And to practice that slowly, over time, asking God to help. So it could be the idea of a lunch hour. Actually moving away from the desk, from the work. Maybe using that time to ring a friend and speak. You could even maybe arrange that with someone else who's at that sort of time and have a conversation and go for a walk with a colleague. What would that look like? eating and delighting in the lunch that you've got rather than just, you know, as I do, goes in while you're doing something else, barely noticing the food that is nourishing you and that God has provided. What about parents giving each other an hour off? This was a brilliant one when our kids were little. Um, didn't matter what the boys were up to, who was killing who. Um, it was my hour. I could go into our bedroom, shut the door, magazine, music, sleep, whatever I wanted to do. Didn't matter what was going on downstairs, it wasn't my problem for one hour. And then we'd switch and give, give the other one. It was just awesome. It was brilliant. It was such a little thing, but such a big impact. Talk about being literally life-giving. Uh, what about getting off the tube, bus, out of a car, just a little bit earlier to walk a little bit further? It's amazing what we notice when we walk, how God speaks to us, not only through uh, creation in terms of green space, the things we notice, the people we notice as we walk the streets. What about setting boundaries around looking at work stuff? What's the latest you will read or send an email? What's the earliest you will do that? What are you saying to the people that maybe you are leading or managing if you're emailing them at 10.30 at night? The expectation that you expect to reply. What would that look like? Sabbath keeping is a holy habit that enables us to grow deeper in our love for God and also our love for others. It's a day that God blessed in creation. It is life-giving to us and through us to others. It has the potential to remind us that we are loved for who we are and not for what we do. It nurtures thankfulness, re-centres us on Jesus, returns us to that sense of Eden, walking in the garden with the Lord, anticipating the new creation. Discipleship is walking pace, it's slow. I'm going to finish with um, a prayer from Lectio 365. You might know the app, and the one for Sabbath is just, it's good. So I'm going to pinch it right now, as soon as I can find it for my tech. Tech is also good. <laughs> so let's pray. <coughs> May this day bring Sabbath rest to our hearts and our homes. May God's image in us be restored and our imaginations in God be restored. 
May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May we know the grace to embrace our own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed us and his spirit lead us into the weak and into the life 